Hey, welcome to Anarchy to Diapers. Today's episode is with Brian Thompson, the expatriate. I bring him back and we talk about uh, school taxes, living in Europe, his video game, and family. This podcast was recorded at the end of last summer, so it was done outdoors so you'll hear birds chirping and shit. I actually thought I lost this podcast, but I found it and I'm very happy that I can share it with you because this is one of my favorite people in the world. Brian Thompson. Anarchy to diapers, bitches! Last time I had you on, we were talking about uh, your movie, and uh, I'm sorry I didn't actually um, take the interview as serious as I should have, um, you know, because we're friends, I now listening back to it, I definitely could have done way, way better of a job, and uh, it was more of like a fun pal around thing in my head, and I also, what I was telling you was, I also learned that like... Uh, when I, like we joke around if you don't know us like it comes off like I'm almost making fun of you and I apologize that it came off that way I hope that uh that's not the way it is <laughs> certainly didn't come off that way to me man not a problem not a problem at all all right good good um maybe to the listener the listener might hear something different but uh I thought it was fun okay because that's something I have to work on and, and be careful of how I word things but um before we turn it on the mics we were talking about uh like the difference in education in the schools in Italy, Rome, where you live, and versus uh, Long Island, where I live. And I was talking about how uh, so much uh, money's going into athletics. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said that that's not really a thing in Rome. Yeah, that is definitely not the case in Rome. I mean, uh, when you go to an Italian school, the reason that you're going to school is to go to school. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're there basically to learn and... Uh, yeah, it's not that people don't do sports or any kind of other extracurricular activities. It's just that those extracurricular activities are catered for by the uh, community. It's it's not expected that the uh, uh, the school is going to provide you know entertainment for your uh, your kids, or that the school is going to be the locus in the community of that kind of uh, yeah that kind of thing, that kind of leisure. Um, that was kind of a gross answer. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, maybe I can help clarify. Like here on Long Island, we all pay taxes, so this is it is being supported by the community. 
Sure. And, uh, you know, it's a public school system. and as, as little as they possibly can. Man, and particularly as your community gets older, man, forget about it. It becomes more and more difficult to pass budgets. And yet the boards of education... I don't know, across Long Island seems to be more invested in their extracurricular activities than in, uh, I don't know, things like the arts, music, whatever, things like that. just doesn't happen. Well, I, you know, personally, I think even some of that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, I, believe me, I'm all into art, I'm into music, and I just do, I'm just wondering, like, um, like, should the taxpayer be picking up the bill for that? Because, like, you, um, with Rome... Okay, mm-hmm. for instance, um, why don't they invest in athletics? Part I, d- I think uh, you know, it's not that there's no investment in athletics. It's just that they don't really look at the school as being the place to do it. So, I mean, you know, there, there are community football clubs and things like that where, you know, if a kid wants to go and play football, that's what they do. They go and find a football club who's... You know, job basically is to uh, to play football. You know, it, it's not uh, considered the role of the school to be a, a place necessarily where you go to learn to play sports. So yeah. the taxes are going towards like an education rather than athletics and the arts. Pretty much, but yeah, but I mean, you know, at the same time, a lot of the clubs themselves are are going to be receiving subsidies or the. Uh, or like you know the parks where they play the the sort of smaller stadiums where these uh, these kids uh, yeah will ultimately be playing matches with the local clubs they they'll be receiving subsidies from the government which is you know taxpayer money um, but it's considered something you know apart from education. So uh, the taxes in Rome like higher because of this because you give it not only to the schools now now you give it to a soccer club. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, you know, the the taxes are uh, for sure higher in uh, in Italy, um, well, but that's but that, because you actually receive social services. Uh, I mean, okay, so how are the kids are gonna get a scholarship to go to college? Um, yeah, they they don't really need those because college is is free. So yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of it's not really uh, too important. So college <laughs> is actually free. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like the Italians have decided that maybe living in a, a country where people are, you know, barely educated, barely literate, et cetera, et cetera, is, is maybe not something that they, they really want to do. And so, yeah, there, there's been a decision on the basis of the population there that, you know, maybe having an educated population is, is good for everybody. Um so yeah, so I mean, a, a free education is a, a massive priority. It's it's more or less considered to be a, a right uh, in Italy. I mean, there are private alternatives available. You want to send your kid to an American school, for instance, you can do that, um, and it's going to be a private school. Um, you know, like I have kids, uh, and I could send them to uh, or to the the American school. Um, for you know, the bargain basement price of about seventeen thousand euro per year, <laughs> 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 which is why my kids are learning to speak Italian very well, because they're not doing it. Uh, I'm not sending my kids there. Uh, the other thing about that school is it doesn't even have a great reputation. Um, and basically, the and this is kind of borne out by my experience, uh, which is that the American system uh, of education is really great. 
in producing people who are confident, uh, who are great public speakers, um, who have a lot of social skills, a lot of networking skills, uh, but they can't argue. Uh, they, they don't, um, the critical thinking skills are not necessarily there. Um, you don't think alternative facts is a good argument? It's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of weak, kind of weak. A little bit weak with the, the alternative facts, that's true. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, and so as a result, you have these, these Italian students that I, I deal with all the time. Um, they're not necessarily very confident public speakers. They tend to be very, yeah, in a sense, kind of self-deprecating, even when they're incredibly uh, intelligent. Um, but they have a grasp of sort of the basic facts that are required in order to construct a, a serious and very persuasive kind of argument um, in a way that the American students don't. I, you know, I taught public speaking and, you know, uh, it was just, it, it was incredible, the division um, between the, uh, the American students and not only the Italian students, but also like the Eastern European students um, and everything else. And, and the thing was, you know, these, these kids were presenting wonderful arguments very poorly, whereas the, uh, uh, the American students were speaking amazingly well, but they were talking absolute bullshit. Um, so yeah, so uh, if you ask me which one I prefer, eh, I'm happy enough sending my kids to an Italian school. That's for sure. Okay, so who you said collectively as a community, you, you guys voted on like having like uh, your resources go towards education, or was that like a government thing that they decided? Of course, man. It, it reflected the the popular desire. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, uh, was there like some sort of referendum directly about that? No. I mean, it's been kind of taken for granted in most of Western Europe for, I don't know, particularly since the the, the end of the Second World War, that, um, the, yeah, basically they, there is a certain minimum level of civilization that people are willing to, uh, to accept, you know, um, and so, yeah, but I mean, the, the question of paying taxes for, for schooling is, is not, it's not even a question that people would ask. It's like, of course you pay taxes so that you can have school and, like, I, I have free health care, too. I mean, me. Um, I had a heart attack uh, back in uh, October, for instance. I went into the hospital. Um, I was there for about, I don't know, five or six days, probably. And, uh, you know, at the end, the hospital bill was zero, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, no copays. No nothing. I'm on medication that I need to uh, to take. You know, indefinitely. Maybe not for the rest of my life, but you know. As of right now. As of right now, yeah. I'm just I'm on this medication, and uh, yeah. And if I if I go if I bother to actually go to the doctor to get a prescription for it, um, it won't cost me anything to get those prescriptions filled. Um, if I don't bother going to the doctor to get a prescription, then I, I go down to the pharmacy and I pay out of pocket. Now I am taking uh, Ramparil, Bisoprololo, uh, Lasix, Luvian, and I don't know, something else, I think. Uh, <laughs> God, man. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the standard thing, beta blockers and whatever. Um, so you had a legit heart attack? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, how old are you? Pardon? Uh, I am... 
How old was I at the time? Oh, the same. Yeah, I think I'm 42. <laughs> if I'm calculating correctly, I think I'm 42. And Jesus, like, how did that like? How did that put like your life in perspective? Did it, did it put anything into perspective, or did you you're just like, oh shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I did, it. Yeah, I'd love to say that it came as a surprise, but it, it didn't really. You know, I I was kind of. Yeah, I've I've always been uh, fond of a beer or two, and uh, you know that uh, didn't necessarily go over too well with my body. Uh, and uh, plus, I was a smoker for a very long time. Now I quit that before beforehand, a couple of years ago. I guess it's been about four years. I've just been on the uh, electronic cigarette. <laughs> Sucking the metal dick. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Uh, um, but yeah, no. Uh, I'm sorry, I've lost the question. The question was, um, did it put anything in perspective for you, or did? You know? Oh yeah, sure. I, the main thing it put in perspective was, uh, I don't want to die. Uh, that that's kind of that's it. I mean, I don't know. It was really. Did you funny. get that like flash of like, oh my god, my family, like your whole life passing before your eyes? No, no, none of that. Uh, yeah, none of that happened whatsoever. Um, but what I did feel at the at the end uh, was just an incredible sense of uh, of guilt, because I, you know, because I realized, you know, it, as a as I was sitting there, because I, I was sitting in the uh, the emergency room uh, after getting treated, you know, I was waiting for bed and. Uh, yeah, so I was just sitting there for a couple hours, looking at the the ceiling, and uh, man, what I what I felt primarily, uh, to be honest with you, was uh, was guilt, and it was that sense that you know because of decisions that I had made, I was potentially uh, putting my wife in the terrible position of uh, having to raise kids alone. Um, I was going to deprive my own kids of a, a father, you know. Re- whether or not that would have been a good thing for them in the long term is probably for them to say. But, uh, you know, uh, but certainly uh, it, it was that sense that, you know, uh, I was really seriously abdicating a responsibility to the, to my family that, uh, that was very strong. So, you know, uh, I quit drinking without going to meetings. So uh, there you go. Um. Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing with the drinking thing? And I don't mean it as like, oh, you're an alcoholic. Like, cause I, I just mean it in the sense that like, even like eating chicken wings, like I struggle with, with drinking and I struggle with like even eating chicken wings, not because like I have an alcoholic problem or a yeah. chicken wing fucking problem. Just like, I like eating bad shit cause it tastes good. And yeah. who doesn't like drinking? Drinking's fucking awesome. Well, that's kind of what I, you know, that was always kind of my feeling as well. Um, I mean, I, I was, uh. I, I was not a particularly, <laughs> I you know, I, I would not even really classify myself as an alcoholic, although, you know, I had a very high level uh, of alcohol intake. Um, but I was very rarely, if ever, drunk. Um, I never, I never got into hard liquor or anything, so it was all just beer, basically. Uh, and spread out over a pretty, you know, long period of time. But, you know, the alcohol does damage to your system, uh, and that, uh, that can be a real problem. Um, for that reason, yeah, I, I never really considered myself an alcoholic. I, I was just, you know, I was a heavy drinker. Um, it was tough at the beginning, um, to just stop 
part of it was just because I really like beer. Uh, but yeah, no, of course, there, there was definitely a little bit of withdrawal to, to get through at the very beginning. Um, I would say it, the only time I miss it now, uh, to be honest with you, is when I go out to a restaurant and uh, let's say I'm, I'm having like some kind of nice meal and like the, the, the ghetto in Rome, you know, I, there's this place, Portico, I'd love to go there. They got great food. They got the Jewish artichokes, man. They're fantastic. And uh, the one thing in the world that I would love as I'm sitting there is like either, you know, a beer or, or even a glass of wine or something. And instead, I got to be there. The asshole's like, hey, maybe I'll take a fucking Fanta. It's, <laughs> it just kills me. I die a little bit inside whenever I order a Fanta at, uh, at dinner. Um, and so I really, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that, you know, at some stage I'll get my heart back to, uh, to a situation where I can actually have a a beer with uh with dinner or something yeah that'd be nice um but yeah i don't really I, I don't really miss it in that respect um i would say one of the things that is definitely a challenge about not drinking is just that uh you know it, it kept me calm uh for a, a long time and uh since i quit it is uh yeah i've definitely become a lot angrier as a person i've lost a lot of my ability to be patient uh, about things I suffer fools even less gladly than I used to, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the great myths uh, the, about the whole drinking thing is that you know when you stop, you're gonna somehow emerge a better person, uh, and that certainly has not been the case uh, for me. <laughs> I, I would say I'm, I'm a much bigger dick uh, without the without the beer than uh, than with it, but you know, yeah, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Uh, I don't want to die. I, I, I understand. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, for me, I'm like self-destructive by nature. Um, do you think that's like one of the vices that you're using to just be self-destructive? Maybe a way to deal with the anger that you have and just kind of like shut everything out? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I, I am a pretty angry person. But I'm also, you know, I, I've had my fair share of depression as well. Yeah, and so it's uh, it's just it is something that kind of you know numbs you out a little bit and kind of levels you off. The the highs aren't really as high as they were when you're not drinking, but the lows aren't really as low either. And so it's uh, yeah, I think that's why a lot of people do it. Um, it certainly was a I don't know if I would say that was the main reason I was drinking, um, but it was certainly a, a benefit uh, mentally for me for <laughs> for a long time. And I would say that it was a benefit. Like I said, I, I don't think I've become a better, nicer, more approachable person. I don't think I'm a better father e either, to be honest with you. But um, uh, to be honest, yeah. uh, after hanging out with you all weekend, I actually think you are more attentive to your children. Oh, yeah. So if it, if it yeah. makes you feel any better, <laughs> <I'm glad. laughs> you know, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe because you're dealing with them a lot more. Maybe you yeah. don't you don't feel like you have the patience, but you're pretty awesome. So. Yeah. Thank you, man. Very not, much. Not to jerk you off or anything. <laughs> but, um, is there anything that, like uh, new projects that you're working on to like kind of get rid of some of your anger? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Little leading question there. Thank you, Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely there's a there's a couple of things that I'm working on at the moment. Um, I guess one one thing that I, I rediscovered uh, recently over the past year uh, or so, and particularly since my heart attack, actually has been uh, has been metal. I, I've been listening to a lot of metal lately. <laughs> nice. And, uh, it's been uh, it's been fantastic. But as with uh, as with everything, 
I don't know, with me, I get enthusiastic about something and I don't want to just like consume it. I, I always kind of want to make it, you know? And so, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, so I, one of the things that I'm doing now is, is putting together a hopefully sort of a, a black metal-ish kind of kind of band, actually. It's mm. uh, going to be called Salt the Ashes, and uh, that's going to be, uh, be a lot of fun. i got uh, some crazy, crazy kids from the Ukraine um, who I think are going to be coming aboard on this. God, I hope I didn't just say the Ukraine. Yeah, I, you did. Did I? Yeah, there's going to be some fucking I Eastern European pissed Ukraine. off. Like my, apologies. <laughs> my apologies. I meant to say Ukraine. Sorry, I did grow up on Long Island. We're we're ignorant savages. Um, <laughs> I I know better. There you go. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll make it all right. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what are your influences from uh, your whole black metal uh, adventure here? <laughs> my my influences. Uh, I don't know. Probably the big influence is uh, is has got nothing to do with black metal. It, it is KMFDM who have uh, demonstrated that you can find a winning winning formula and just stick with it for thirty years, and just uh, keep making people happy. So uh, I don't know. Uh, there's one band that I'm listening to a lot. It's called Mall. Uh, although I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I think there's like an umlaut over the O. So maybe there's some extra uh, vowels in there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where they're they? great uh but they uh, you know they play kind of a melodic death metal I, I guess the the word not death metal sorry black metal um i think the the popular term now is black gaze uh for, you know sort of a mix up of uh black metal and shoegaze it's like sort of getting back to like slow dive and my bloody valentine that sort of thing mixed up with black metal uh black metal vocals things like that i don't know I did a lot of homework on this. I think, like, on the Bandcamp page, is going to say something like Blackened Crust. <laughs> you go. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, it sounds to good to me, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, if you're going to describe me, I think you could do worse than Blackened Crust. Hey, when in doubt, make your own. <laughs> it's <go>. never out. <laughs> you know? Uh, very cool. Uh, any other projects you're doing? Yeah, like, uh, well, how's the movie industry more. going? I don't know. I don't know how the movie industry is going. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's really tough. Um, you know, I I would say that I was on, I was kind of on track after after finishing up Bachelor Party. Um, I was kind of on track to leverage that into maybe doing something uh, else, something a little bit more ambitious. Uh, but the fact that we picked up the uh, the tent, and moved over to Italy really kind of knocked me backwards in terms of my ability to really kind of mount a production um like you know I, I was no longer part of any kind of filmmaking community over there um the the system is quite different uh you know my knowledge of the language is limited to say the least um and so yeah so the opportunities weren't really there uh when i when i arrived um I still do, I, you know, I'm doing a ton of video work, it's just, uh, yeah, it's primarily, it's more in kind of the TV space, so like, you know, I, I run this department at John Cabot University, uh, not technically a department, uh, I don't know if the dean is listening, sorry, I, I know I'm not a director, whatever, um, 
<laughs> the end result, though, is is ultimately that yeah, I I kind of run the John Cabot University t- TV YouTube channel. And there are a and lot so of I'm, guidance. I'm I'm kind of like executive producing about you know like ten or fifteen different shows that students are putting together. Uh, in addition to doing a lot of kind of like event work and uh, do commercials from time to time, uh, I do little documentary pieces now and again. Um, but I can't say that it's it's really my personal focus uh, at the moment. Um, I think that after a very long time of not you know picking up a, a game controller, my my interests have kind of coalesced around the idea of creating video games. Um, basically as a result of kind of my skill set as a filmmaker because uh, the things that I think I'm, I'm pretty decent at as a filmmaker to be honest are, are you know screenwriting um, doing pre-production I'm incredibly organized thorough etc uh, and then we can skip production because like directing producing uh, acting all that sh- I hate it I hate it it's it's always been very painful for me to uh to actually get go ahead and, and do that it is not really my favorite part of the process and then when that's done though and I get to go in and start working on editing uh, music visual effects motion graphics uh, all that stuff I'm, I'm once again in a, a space that I'm very happy working in um, and you know I'm, I'm comfortable working with 3d um, from you know past work in visual effects uh, although I, I've needed to kind of boost my modeling chops uh, quite a lot and, uh, and work on developing in that direction um, but also learning how to uh, to program then uh, at the same time. Now I'm, I'm not programming particularly, I use this program called uh, Unity uh, in order to do development and yeah, ideally what I would be doing is learning to program in a, a language called C Sharp um, What's that useful? It's basically, you know, let's say you want your character to move left, and then when you hit left on the joystick, well, you got to write code actually that you know, tells the uh, the thing. All right, when the you know when the x axis reaches a negative, that means that you're going to translate in that into so many pixels on the screen, et cetera, et cetera, and you're going to trigger this animation and whatever. Um, and so the easiest, fastest way to do I won't say the easiest, but the fastest way to do that is if you are really solid with coding. Um, and uh, it is kind of a long-term goal of mine to, to get uh, to a position where I'm, I'm comfortable doing C-sharp. Uh, right I now, I'm using a, a visual scripting tool that's a, a bit different, and it it's makes it a little bit little bit easier for me to, to actually uh, wrap my head around it. So you're dealing with the same concepts, but it, I don't need to worry about the syntax of code. So, so with code, how do you use that in film? Directly, you don't. Um, uh, no, you kind of lost me that. So okay, yeah, no, I, I guess what I, I should have mentioned was that you know, um, creating a video game is very much like creating a movie. Um, so mean, you're creating a video game. Oh yeah, <laughs> shit! You never mentioned game. that, son. All right, sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad for the recap for anyone who didn't see the first podcast with Brian Thompson. Here we go. So now he's uh, apparently he's now uh, getting out of uh, 
film yeah. and he's heading towards video games yeah definitely so what's this new project you're working on uh the new project uh i'm calling the project ice crusher um and basically it's uh it's about the adventures of a little anarchist girl uh, kind of inspired by my daughters of course um yeah, and she's basically running around a uh, juvenile detention center out in the desert, uh, freeing uh, freeing the, the kids who have been uh, snatched from their parents and uh, doing battle with the evil ice agents. Very nice. <laughs> For sure. That's it, man. Well, I, I guess I, that is kind of... <laughs> that's another way you're channeling and getting rid of your anger, I guess. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was the original question, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of... She beelined, so... It's all good. I'm glad I could bring that back in. I'm fucking so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you have no fear that you're teaching your kids any bad things right now uh i i think that's teaching them a positive lesson for sure uh, being a hero is like standing up for your beliefs and shit like that pretty much and abolishing ice getting rid of those fuckers man because they're a bunch of bastards uh what don't you like about ice agents everything i think they uh well, clearly, know, <laughs> taking children away from their parents, because uh, obviously you're freeing the children. Pretty much. I mean, you know, uh, here's the thing about this country that's really frustrating is that, you know, capital uh, in this country, like money, um, actual money, uh, people who are rich have absolutely no borders to contend with uh, whatsoever. Um, the borders that we create in this country are purely for uh, people who are quote-unquote poor, uh, you know, basically working people um i don't know you know and uh, yeah i don't know what makes you say that like can you give me an example of why uh someone who's like in the top one percent is i'm assuming we're talking about like the poke brothers how borders don't affect their lives to be in the the top one percent man uh you know if you're doing all right i mean Take, for example, the, the whole abortion debate, right? I mean, like, Donald Trump now is coming out as a, you know, suddenly he's become, like, this Christian fundamentalist, which is a bit of a joke, you know, of course. And of course he's not. And he's coming out as, as being right to life. And of course he's not. I, 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 the mind boggles uh, at the idea of how many abortions I would imagine that guy had probably paid for over the course of his life. Um and you can cut that if you think he'll get sued for libel, um, because he is a litigious fucker. Uh, whatever. Um, yeah, that, that's, your, that's just your opinion and an assumption. It's not. You're yeah, not yeah, saying. Yeah, you're not claiming any fact. You're just some clown. Uh, yeah, fucking. No, no, I'm, you know. Definitely. I'm not calling you a clown. But, but the, po- but the point is, you know, obviously, somebody like that is, you know, it doesn't matter. It does not matter if uh, if abortion is is legal or illegal in this country because you know. Uh, if he has to get an abortion for somebody, just put him on a private jet, send him up to Canada, get the thing done. Or, you know, to have your own private physician who operates outside the law but who is qualified and has a sterile environment, whatever. It's anybody who doesn't have the money that's going to be, uh, going to be screwed over. Um, and that's why I say, you know, money has no borders. I mean, you can... If you've got like a hundred fifty thousand bucks in your pocket um, that you don't know what to do with, you can buy yourself citizenship um, down. I'm trying to remember the name of the island, uh, but there's a place basically down in like the the the, the West Indies. Um, 
and you can buy yourself a passport there that gets you entry into the Schengen area into Europe actually it's uh huh. and you know that's it I mean, if you have money you don't have to worry about borders man the only people who have to worry about borders are people who are traveling on the ground uh and that's that's most of us that's just a poor folk <laughs> man that's almost everybody and like that that's the other thing that drives me crazy man is people who are poor don't realize they're poor uh people who believe that they're middle class for some baffling reason um to me unless you are sort of to me it's it's basically unless you are i don't know self-employed and relatively actually not even just self-employed unless you are an employer of other people you're you not really middle class you are just some you know you may be doing well as a working class person but you are still a member of the working class my personal feeling so what do you think is different from uh is this like gonna like a, okay so hmm. i got many questions and I was kind of trying to combine like a bunch of them all in one shot. So I'm going to try and break them down with like a, a clear thought. Uh, one, is this like a personal attack like on America? Like you talking about how you feel about America? Or is this like world politics in general? Well, man, I, we have a very similar situation now in Italy, of course. I mean, we're getting, yeah, we're feeling the result of the United States' uh, sort of involvement in Libya uh, in particular. I mean, the United States destroyed Libya um, as a functioning state, and so Libya has become the main conduit for uh, refugees trying to, to enter Europe. And, of course, the place that they end up is Italy. So um, why don't you guys put up a wall and start grabbing them and their kids and separating them? Well, unfortunately, them we just cages. voted into, a gov- uh, into power a government that, that is kind of, you know, proposes to do more or less things like that. Um, and it's uh it's kind of bad but there there there's <laughs> there's some substantial differences uh cuz uh, there is no talk of the wall of course cuz that's ludicrous but um but yeah but i mean uh, the current government uh has basically started turning away migrant ships um like ships that have been in uh, even ships that have been in distress or uh you know uh, rescue vehicles they've started turning them away and they've had to make their way to Spanish ports and other places um, but part of the problem uh, for real is that you know uh, the rest of Europe has not necessarily been um, particularly helpful in dealing with the influx of, of immigrants because look man, I, when a refugee shows up in Italy the last thing in the world they want to do is fucking stay in Italy uh, it's, it's not it's not a particularly uh, uh, nice environment for them. Um, there's a lot of sort of casual racism there because it's been very monocultural for most of its life because it's been very poor. I saw the same thing happen in Ireland, actually. Uh, Ireland, which was, you know, it, Irish people were always sort of you know, interpreted as being very, or looked at as being very welcoming, very warm, and, and you know, that that is kind of true to an extent. But that had never been put to the test because it was a poor country that nobody wanted to come to. Uh, once it sort of started becoming more powerful, or at least not more powerful, but its, a, it's, economy, functioning it's economy. economy started to improve. Uh, and suddenly it became a destination that people wanted to get to. Um, then all of a sudden, that, that's when you started to see... Uh, 
yeah, racism beginning to to emerge, and in a lot of respects, it's kind of the same with uh, with Italy. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a particularly racist society because they, there just weren't that many races there. Do you think um, it's like uh, just like uh, and just over being overwhelmed by a res- of uh, a different group of people just coming in and um, like not having a clear understanding of them, and it's just like in their culture. Or do you think it's just a straight up? We don't. I don't think it's not cultural. In our town. I d- it's it's just it's straight up economics. I mean, like you know, the the Italians were actually not terrible um, about the the migrant crisis for a while. Um, but I mean, ultimately, man, it's a lot of people coming in, and uh, the unemployment rate in Italy, particularly for young people, is appalling. I mean, it's terrible. It's it's not really a, a great great place to be it is uh, certainly not like the the land of opportunity or anything it's a wonderful place to live um but it's a very difficult place to live there uh so don't you think the so okay so now you're coming down on isis you're doing this video game about crushing isis and all that stuff like ice, not isis ice, uh, <laughs> ice i've meant plural i didn't mean to say ISIS. Uh, we could crush I isis ice. too man i i got no great I love meant, for isis either uh <laughs> I kind of added an S to like <laughs> ice, like me in plural, and it came out ISIS. Uh, so bad. Man, so maybe that'll be the sequel, man. <laughs> ISIS Crusher. Uh, that'll be all right too. Okay, so basically, you, you know, the video game's about like crushing uh, the ice soldiers and like freeing the uh, children that are being separated from their parents. Now, yeah. like, and you're talking about um, the economics in Italy can't sustain sustain the migrant that they're getting from Libya like do you see something in common where like the Americans are screaming we can't sustain the influx of South Americans no because the thing that you have to understand about Italy the reason that his economy can't sustain that is because the uh, the Germans run the banks basically um, they, because Explain. the United States has uh, is a complicated complicated kind of issue but it, the basics the basics please um, yeah. I, I, most Americans and I have no idea about any of this. So, I, basically, the the idea of deficits in the United States is ridiculous. It's it's pointless to even talk about deficits because uh, whenever there is a, a problem requiring there to be uh, additional money, the Fed can print it, um, and as a result, it's it's a bit of a joke. Um, the the whole showdown over the budget uh, that that has now become this regular feature of of uh, American political life um, and these these repeated government shutdowns uh, are basically all about uh, an illusion. Um, it's very bad economics to to believe that the deficits that the United States is running are going to create any sort of problem. Um, the United States has the freedom to pursue almost any kind of economic policy it wants, uh, and it chooses to pursue a policy that is incredibly uh, harmful to the vast majority of people and uh, incredibly beneficial to a very small uh, segment of the population. That's it. I, I don't think there's anything controversial about that at all. Um, the difference in Italy uh, really is just that uh, because it's a member of the Euro um, the Italian government itself is not in charge of its currency. It's not in charge of the money that's there. Uh, it is basically uh, determined by the banks in the central banks, the European central banks in, in Frankfurt, uh, which are generally uh, controlled by the Germans. 
Um, if you look into the recent history of Greece, um, the reason that, that Greece is the basket case that it is at the moment is basically because they decided to impose austerity on this country in order to teach it a lesson or something. Um, <clears throat> and basically pursue uh, uh, an economic policy that was directly contrary to everybody's interests, including the European Union's. So, and you hear this okay. if you read like the. Uh, All right. Well, from the United States side, from the United States, the way it was explained to me is Greece yeah. didn't have the gold they said they had, so that's why their dollar dropped. No, no. Can you explain no. that in small terms? No, I can't. No, we'll I be can. here all week. Yeah, we, <laughs> we should have started this on Friday. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Today is Sunday. We ain't got enough time. All I, right. I will give you one strong recommendation. There is a there's a guy who is the finance minister at the beginning of the uh, Alexis uh, the the Cyprus government, um, Saritza. Uh, and his name is Yanis Varoufakis uh, and he's, he wrote a book called Adults in the Room and it's all about the negotiations that he undertook with the European Central Bank uh, uh, in the first months of the Syriza administration this was the, the period that led up to a referendum in Greece where they, they were basically voting are we going to take the money from the ECB and the IMF and the, the World Bank or are we going to tell them to go fuck themselves? And uh, maybe that'll mean defaulting. Maybe that'll mean uh, exiting from the euro. Uh, but we're willing to deal with those consequences. And the Greek population said, uh, yeah, fuck them. Uh, we're going to take uh, the future into our own hands, come what may. Uh, it was an incredibly brave uh, vote. Um, <coughs> and uh, Cyprus turned around and uh, caved. He just he, he disregarded the, the, the referendum results and took the money. And Yanis uh, Varoufakis left the administration shortly thereafter. Um, in fact, immediately. Effective that moment. Uh, and the blow-by-blow account is, is really revealing. But it's, uh, So I'd strongly, strongly recommend taking a look at that. Uh, that. And it'll give you a sense of also the differences between sort of the the economic situation of the United States versus the economic situation in, in a place like Greece or even Italy. Uh, um, this whole subject is way more complicated than uh, yeah, I am uh, qualified to even really continue discussing. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, the long and short of it is that anybody who says that we can't afford uh, migration is selling you something. Um is almost always uh, a net contributor to the economy. Um, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. I mean, yeah, you could talk about them clogging up social services, to which I would say, what fucking social services? This country has nothing. Um, no I, medical, it, no college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, no daycare. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I send my kids. My kids go to daycare in Italy. Um and they go to an expensive private uh, private daycare, actually. And uh, that f- uh, costs, uh, for the two of them, for about eight or nine hours a day with uh, meals, snacks, and everything else. So that's five days a week, eight or nine hours a day with food. We're talking about, uh, that's 300 a month. That's not fucking bad. <laughs> no shit. No <laughs> shit. 
And once again, you gotta ask yourself why. And the answer is because, uh, you know, there is widespread recognition that, you know, you help people raise their kids. Otherwise, you get shitty kids and you end up living in an environment that you don't want to live in. So, I mean, it's just people are not. uh, They're not. They care more about people rather than, like, getting ahead and... No, it's it's more than that. It's like... <laughs> man, I mean, uh, this is the crazy thing. It, and this is the thing that I've never understood about the United States, man. Which is that... Um, yeah, we always talk about, like, oh, the wor- working class white people, they voted against their interests with Trump and whatever. I, I don't buy it, man, because we, we're, we fight against our... our interests in on on so many levels and so like you know when you see uh if people voting for like charter schools you know charter schools to which are going to you know get rid of the money that, that would be going to the the public education all right so what happens the public education begins to uh to collapse because it's now going to be underfunded what happens when it's underfunded uh your students begin to pull uh, you know uh, perform poorly academically, but they also begin to, you know, perform and behave badly in a social sense. Your community suffers, and uh, you know, and so then, you know, by you know taking money away and splitting it off uh, in order to to make this small section of people happy, you end up living in this environment that is is becoming worse. Um, Do you think so that even t- if you even if you look at it from the the perspective of self interest, man, paying your taxes is in your interest. But man, we got to stop paying the military. We got to take guns away from the police and uh, abolish ICE. There you go. That's a- oh. <laughs> All right, that's a, that's a thought. Uh, what I wanted to get is and white it. people <laughs> stop calling the cops. Stop calling the cops. What I wanted to touch base on was. Uh, do you think back going back to what we were talking about about this athletics having like this power in the schools where it's becoming its own monster and it's selling you this whole thing like your son's gonna get a scholarship you have to vote yes we need a concession stand on the football field like um, do you think th- by them doing that and then putting money into that and then putting more students in the classroom that's uh, you know affecting the way the kids are being educated. Uh, it's making parents think maybe we should uh, invest into a private school where he can actually get the attentive need that he needs. Uh, do you think maybe that's all tied in and that's how um, people uh, start voting against their own interest? Man, I, uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, it's huge, the reasons that people vote against their own interests. Um, yeah, no. I mean, like, in terms of a specific recommendation, the, the only thing I think that makes any difference in education is when you can make your class sizes as small as possible. It, that's it. I mean, that's, you know, so when you talk about allocating resources, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think the concession stand is important. It's important to figure out a way to make those classes a little bit smaller. Um, that's going to give you a much better experience. Full stop. I mean, it, it, there's, I don't know, as a teacher, I, you know, that's the answer there is no uh, the idea that you even have to debate this is is ludicrous um well with but you know i'm sorry no no. well i wanted to ask you like um you know i know for me i have a fear with my son going to school um 
like you know I, I me and my son will watch like the bees pollinate the flowers and we talk about how like they make honey and all that stuff sure. and he's very hands on and he's not going to get that kind of education in school especially with 26 other students so I'm very concerned on like how he is going to do because I know my son's a smart kid he already knows like tadpoles turn into uh, you know frogs and you know we actually grew tadpoles at my house and all that stuff and he's only three and a half so he's pretty on top of his game but I know he's not going to fit in a traditional public school system. Like, do you have any of those fears with these kids going to school in Italy? Pardon? Yeah, sure, sure. I, I, there are definitely things I don't like about the public school system in uh, Italy, for sure. Um, to be honest with you, I don't have as much to say about this uh, as I probably should because they haven't started yet. Um, and so I'm, I'm really kind of... I, re- I, I hate speaking from like a not without having a information yeah okay yeah, all right much. so we'll have to talk um, about that in a few years. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> let's save that for a future episode so, um, so let's just go back to uh, let's just go back to uh how did um you know your heart attack really affect you and uh besides um you know you really seen like uh your own selfish actions and your own self-abuse and i just mean that as in like someone who is self-destructive by nature like myself um, how that affected your it's affecting your family now that you had that the heart attack like uh, anything else that like uh, you have to add to that no (laughs) (laughs) shit that's it wrap it up (laughs) I ain't got nothing (laughs) yeah no I mean it's, it's it's really tough to say man I mean I like I said, I I really um yeah the the thing that's that's yeah, I'm not so happy about of course is is that lack of patience. Uh I think uh I definitely have less of it now uh than I ever have. Um and kind of the other thing is that I'm actually I guess because I'm not drinking, I'm able to concentrate a lot more, and I'm a lot more productive, um, and as a result, I kind of, I, I've got that desire now to, like, be hammering out the code for the video game, and whatever, and, uh, in a way that, uh, I don't know, uh, is not always necessarily very compatible with a good family life, you know, um, I completely understand, for sure, I mean, it, that's, that's kind of the other thing uh, when we talk about, you know, am I making films? Um, and the answer to that is, you know, when? Uh, when am I going to be making these films? Like, I, I, said, I, I would love to be writing films. I would love to be editing films, maybe. I, I don't really want to direct. I, I directed Bachelor Party because I, I had to. Um, <laughs> it was a no-budget film and whatever. Uh, and I, I kind of had to run that gauntlet in order to figure out that it wasn't necessarily the thing that I really wanted to do. Um, that said, I, I would direct again if, you know, I had a project that I really cared enough about to, to, to put myself through that. Um, but the other aspect really is just that getting involved with that kind of project is a commitment of months. Um, it's committing to a lot of time away from the family. Uh, and for a very long time, um, yeah, since we live in Italy, we lived there, uh, by ourselves, you know, it was just me, my wife and our two kids, no family support whatsoever. 
Um, and, you know, we do have friends and everything else, but you know, that, that kind of support only gets you so far, as I'm sure anybody who has kids would probably attest. Um, <coughs> some things have changed now, actually, because my mother has, has moved to Italy as well. Uh, awesome. How does she like it? She loves it. She absolutely loves it. She she lived on Long Island for about 40, 43 years, I guess. Uh, about a year longer than I've been alive. So, so yeah, I guess about 43 years. Um, my father was you know, born and bred. He was born in Westbury. Uh, never wanted to leave Long Island. He loved it. Whatever. My mother hated it. Uh, did not. Was not a fan of Long Island at all. Uh, she grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, but moved around a lot when she was young. And then stayed stationary in Bethpage for 43 years. And Bethpage, uh, it's it's not exactly the jewel of the uh, the Long Island crown, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We we got the what what, uh, what are they calling the the Grumman's uh, thing? The the pollution. The Grumman's plant. They, they, they've got a name for it. I'm, uh, oh, I'm I have no idea. It. But it's it's like it's like all the crap that is contaminating our groundwater uh, in Bethphage. E something. Ah, uh, I don't remember. Anyway, they probably gave it some name that has nothing to do with Grumman, so it doesn't sound like it's a Grumman pollution. Yeah, no, no. Because then you could actually not. probably sue them and go after them. That place is great. Did, did I talk about that in the, on the last podcast? I I love that because like when I when I grew up in Bethpage, you know, everybody worked for Grumman's because we we had to build all these planes to beat up the Soviet Union, um, and then of course in you know the early nineties, Soviet Union collapses. And Grumman scales back, and uh, Bethpage became you know, uh, not, so, not, not so hot. Yeah, it's just another yeah commuter stop-off point, you know, rest stop, drive-through. <laughs> but they and, and you know the the upshot was that you know in addition to it being you know just, just one of the more boring places to live, um, we also had massive pollution as a result of Grumman's uh, very cavalier attitude toward the environment. Um, but they, they figured out what they were going to do with it. So, you know, we've got all this land that's, that's hopelessly polluted. Nobody would want to live there. So they built senior citizen housing there. Oh, no. Is that the most cynical shit that you have ever heard? That is fucking crazy. Because, <laughs> you know, eh, they're going to get cancer anyway. Uh, it takes 20 years to get cancer from this pollution. They only got 10 in them. <laughs> they only got about 10. They're not going to get fine. sued. No, fine. <laughs> Oh no! Plus the soul, yeah, you wouldn't even know it was from here. Uh, yeah, no, man, cynical, cynical shit. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So my mother is very happy to have left this uh, lovely, uh, lovely town in Bethpage. Um, she's doing really well in Rome, even though she doesn't speak the language. So, and we're going back to like the not having so much time. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, but her being there is is definitely a huge help. You know, because awesome. she's actually able. She she very happily contributes to like looking after the kids sometimes and whatever, and having that kind of support is really uh, huge. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Now, my in-laws sure. and my mom help, and that's like uh, what a relief. Um, but uh, what I wanted to get about, and it's not just about time, like um, d- time. 
All right, because I every t you know um, I've mentioned this before that like you know time isn't I don't have a lot of time and uh, so I can't get a lot of things done and uh, for me it's because I've chosen the time to spend with my family is more important than these other things. Yep. And uh, do you have anything to add to that, or am I did I kind of sum it up, or is that like? Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Um, the only oh. thing, the only thing that I would add to that, is when 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 my wife and I got married, we actually we had a reading from a German romantic poet named Rainer Maria Rilke, and uh, the poem I I can't recite it or anything, but the, the basic idea of it was like when you know two people uh, you know are in love, the the thing that you always have to give to that other person is their uh, is their their freedom uh, and not to become like one uh, becoming one is kind of the thing you don't want to do you want to become separate so that you're always continually renewing yourselves and bringing something fresh to that relationship and I would say to an extent the same thing holds for for family I mean like I think that if you sort of slavishly cut out everything else in order to be of service to your family you stop being true to yourself to such an extent that maybe you are no longer bringing very much to that family and you're there as a you know as kind of like a physical presence but if you're if you've got no like if you're not in the process of of kind of doing things that are, are important for you as well um, then I think you can kind of be a drag on your family as well so I mean it's Absolutely. it is about finding a balance it's 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 incredibly difficult I haven't found it but I know <laughs> that it's it's something worth looking for yeah I'm hoping that as the kids get older I yeah. will find a better balance for sure I know um, you know I what you were saying before about having more clarity because you're not drinking as much well, you're not drinking at all, but I find because I've reduced my drinking dramatically. Where like you know, I mean, we've been here for like uh, the whole weekend. I probably had a six pack, and this is me like drinking and splurging because we're like on a three day weekend hanging out with our friends. So uh, you know, um, I'm more present, and because I'm more present, yes, a lot more things get done. But sometimes that's also where I start getting resentful because I'm more present. Like I'm here the whole time. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I'm like, I need some damn time. And uh, you know, we've discussed that before. Well, you saw me last night, like after the kids went to bed, and suddenly my computer comes out on the the thing, and it's just like, <laughs> I got ten minutes. I want to start doing something, man. Let me make the, I don't know. Let me create the coin counter, or uh, you know, do I'm, some other piece of shit on this video game. Absolutely. That's why when you were like. Uh, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just trying. I was like, don't worry about it, man. I'm just sitting here. Like, I just need damn time. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I'm good. I just needed some time myself. Like, the day's over. I need to, like, kind of decompress. And, sure. and I'll start another day tomorrow, you know. Definitely. Um, what else was I trying to get at? Uh, what do you think are uh, some of the important values that you want to transfer to your children? Uh... God, I, it's just the opposite of respect for authority. Um, I, you know, to always question authority. That, that's the number one. Um, anybody's, 
know. Uh, you know I'm I'm not saying to be disrespectful. Um, yeah, yeah, I think being respectful toward people as should always be kind of your your ground point. But um, you can't just uh, take people's just because you know uh, you just need to be they, able to <laughs> exactly. just because they say like yeah I, I don't want to uh, just because cannot be uh, uh, I, I never want them to accept that as, uh, what as about uh, that's how it is it's <laughs> <laughs> another good one that's just how it is I tell it to them a hundred times a day so I'm still trying to live up to my own uh, <laughs> admonitions here but you know yeah for sure alright yeah no I, I take it that's for me, like, I take a lot of time to explain things to my son. Because mm. especially my son's like me, has that rebellious streak where he's, like, super good. But, like, if he's doing too much, um, things that he's going to get hurt or whatever, and I keep telling him stuff, eventually he's like, he's like, just stop, go away. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm only telling you these things because uh, you're going to get hurt. And as your dad, my job is to protect you. And I just want to make sure that you don't get hurt. Yep. So... You know, I'm telling you these things for a reason, right? Shouldn't dad protect you? Should dad just let you get hurt? He's like, no, dad should protect me. That's why I'm telling you. So I t- really take the time to try and talk to my son. Yes. Um, that's very hard. And uh, I, too, am, uh, you know, with the trying to get myself in as a self-thinker. So, like, some of the things that I do is, like, uh, you know, uh, like when we find a dead bug in the house, like if it's a little moth or even if it's outside, whatever, I pick it up and I show him. And I'm like, you know, we talk about how he's dead and I ask him, where does he think he went? And then, and then you know, he, you know, we kind of explore ideas like that. Is there any things that you're doing like that with your kids to like try and um, little, little exercises to try and get their brain sparked and thinking outside the box? Offhand, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really coming up with anything. Um, <laughs> no, it's cool, man. Like, hey, dude, uh, I've been thinking about this shit fucking for weeks, so, like, you know, yeah. you know don't feel, like, uh, under pressure. If anything ever does come up, throw it at me. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm just for looking sure. for more tools to, to, to my toolbox. That's I'm not trying to praise, like, I'm so great. I need all the tools I can get, because, goddamn, sometimes I say shit, I get lightheaded after. I'm like, woo, that was good. Definitely. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I mean, I you know, I just... The thing I always just try to do is whenever they, they show an interest in, in doing something particularly that is, is not related to cartoons or, or the TV or something, uh, I, I just go out of my way to, to encourage it. Um, yeah, and, yeah, like, <laughs> Emma, Emma is starting to, to shoot uh, uh, photography. Um, so cool. And, like, you know, it's, I, about a year ago, Oh, I guess last Christmas or something. Um, yeah, I, I said, uh, well, I, maybe I'll give her a camera. I got her this little crappy point-and-shoot thing. And, of course, within like a day, it was broken. Yeah, it was destroyed and nothing else. And so then, uh, a little while later, I said to myself, I wonder what would happen. And everybody's like, oh, you got to get her a toy camera or something like that. And I was like, if I give her a toy camera, the pictures are going to suck. And who the hell wants to make shitty pictures? You know? Absolutely. And so that's going to like turn them off. So what did I do? I went the exact opposite and sort of counterintuitive way. And I started letting her use my, uh, my Sony A7S, <laughs> which is, you know, a very nice, very nice camera, you know. Mm. 
And because she kind of intuitively understood this is not a toy, this is daddy's thing and whatever, she, uh, you know, she was both much more attentive to, to, you know, using it correctly and listening to what I told her about it and, and everything else. And, uh, and at the same time, she also made much nicer pictures. And uh, a <laughs> one of which is, is now like my official portrait, I think, on the... Uh, on uh, on my uh, university account, actually. Cool, awesome, yeah. awesome, dude. That's like uh, another tool, little lesson that I just learned from somebody, and I th I thank you for sharing that with me. And uh, we'll just end it here. Um, thank you, and uh, you know, be well. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian. At the end of the interview, Brian realized that he never really explained why he has a dislike for ICE agents. He actually has a story. He's had hand-on experience with them. So Brian was a little disappointed that he just went on a rant about fuck ICE and fuck authority. So I told him I'd put this little disclaimer in and um, not to worry about it. We have something to talk about the next time he comes on the show. Personally, it's one of the things that I love most about Brian. Is he's well-educated. He's well-read. And yet, he still has a meltdown occasionally here and there. <laughs> one of my favorite people, like I said. We'll talk to him soon, and we'll get that ice story for you. Links for Ice Crusher will be in the notes. <laughs>